Thank you. Now, in, as we go into the word this morning, I'm continuing what we started last week. I told you I have like three sermons last week and I didn't get to finish. I barely finished the first one. And, and I want to continue talking about the cross. And um, so, so many things, uh, like Wednesday night, we're in a liminal season. And, and I, I, forgive me if you haven't heard the sermons the last few weeks because they're really tied together and connected. A liminal season when we're not here, we're not there. It's a season of transition, and it requires risk. It requ requires courage and faith. And we're in, everything is going on since March of last year. We're in a liminal season. We're not here, and we can't stay here or we'll die. We're not there. We're in a transition. And when families transition together, when people lock arms and they walk through difficult, dark, challenging days, Something beautiful happens in those relationships, and they're transformed, and they become what um, the anthropologist Victor Turner says. That there's a mystical togetherness that is developed, and I just want to just be. I want to express my gratitude for you all. Um, I, we've been talking about family and community, and that we're not going to be a corporate church. Um, we want to be a true family, and. Um, what God is doing here, it's him doing it, and all of us know it, and we are grateful, and we're actually just overwhelmed with what God's doing. Like last Wednesday night, I talked about community, communitas, and, and why we do Wednesday nights the way we do old school with meals and stuff. And uh, somebody sent me a picture. We were out skiing out west, and I, I saw there were 40 more people came to eat last Wednesday than the week before. And, uh, and God did not multiply the two fish and five loaves. <laughs> and so I think they ran out of some things. And Tammy, I haven't even talked to her, but I know what she's going to say. Don't blame me. But, you know, it's my fault. Talking about community. And, uh, you know, can you imagine if you fixed supper for your family last Wednesday night and then this Wednesday 40 more people showed up? I mean, you know, that's a problem for mommy. And uh, so, but we are really, there's a, we're changing the whole dynamic as that whole section back there. There will be more tables and chairs. And listen to me, it's beautiful. We don't make any money. We lose money on that. But we try to provide a warm meal that's convenient and tasty and allows us to really share in this transient North Atlanta culture where nobody's from here or very few people. And we're intentional about building community. And hear me, I, I'm doing my best to teach you the word of God. And I want, I want you to know, y'all are doing a great job following. Great followers make decent leaders. And I'm trying to, to give you the word, and you all, I have never seen anything like this. You are following it, just such an incredible. But we're getting ready to see some miracle. This is an atmosphere like heaven. We're getting ready to see some explosive kingdom things happen. In every family, in Jesus' name, for his glory. Amen? So, let's dive in. I want to talk to us about the final word. As I shared last week, Jesus' words in Luke 9, 23 said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Now, can I say this? God's plan for you is beyond your wildest imagination. Listen to me. Yours, not the person sitting beside you. Yours. You go, Pastor Chuck, you don't know where I've been, what I've done. He does. And he still would say to you, his plan is to prosper you. It's not too late. You are not too far gone. His plan for you is more than you can imagine. It's amazing. Satan has another plan. And he doesn't want you to believe how good God's plan is. He wants to remind you of all the things you've done. He wants to distract you. He wants you to say and believe you don't deserve God's best. And I would say agree with him. I don't. But his love for me is so rich and pure that he gives me things I don't deserve. 
There's, I don't know what the percentage is in here, but 40, 50, 60% of us have to work through feeling unworthy every Sunday when we gather. And I just want to say everybody in this room, because of what Jesus has done on the cross, you are worthy, not because of what I'm saying, but because of what he has done. So stop acting like an orphan. You are in a program where God, if you'll get with him, he is going to blow your doors off. He's going to do things in your life that you're going to quit telling everybody because it will sound like you're bragging. Candace and I, in the last two or three years, we have said, and you've heard me say it, I, 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 get, I feel guilty. I don't deserve it. And I'm like, we can't share all this stuff. It will make people think we're, we think we're special. I'm serious. And listen to me. Thank you, Enoch. Uh, you are too, buddy. Very. But listen, I, I want to start today saying, God is not a respecter of persons. If you saw where I came from, if you knew what she's been through, you wouldn't believe that God has done what he's done in our lives, our marriage, and as spiritual leaders. And here's what I want to say. Please hear me. God wants to blow the lid off of your dreams for yourself. He is a God of abundance. He is going to bless you so much that you will recognize yourself. Your high school football coach will go, I thought I knew it. No way you did that in his life. Your high school teachers. Your old girlfriend will say, I married the wrong guy. I should have stayed with that guy. <laughs> I'm talking about that kind of, are you kidding me? Too good to be true, but it is. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And you've experienced a little bit and you know it's true. Come on. All that's true that I just said, but here's the deal. It starts with the cross. If you don't do this, and a lot of believers don't, if you don't understand, you must pick up your cross daily. That gets you in the flow of God's plan for your life. And you learn the value of the cross, what he did. What did God say to us? He said, I love you. And listen, if you go, Pastor Chuck, you just really stretch us. Well, God stretches us. He says, you got to take up. God will never ask you to do anything that he hasn't already done for you at a greater degree. God could not have given us anything better than Jesus. And so he asked us to take up our cross daily and follow him. And that's where it starts. Now, when we come to the cross, there's some things we're going to look at today because I want you to understand, what does it look like for me to take up my cross? It's more than a piece of jewelry. Um, it's something that we do daily. It's a life of sacrifice, of death. But it's not just death, period. It's death, comma, and resurrection. You come to understand these things. And so when we look at Jesus, we're going to look at seven things he said on the cross and how it impacts us and how we learn, oh, that's what taking up my cross daily looks like and feels like. But before we even get to the cross, you've got to remember what Jesus went through in the garden. In Matthew chapter 26, it says, Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. Good thing to do when you're coming upon a critical juncture in your life, even Jesus. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, this is really awesome right here. He's, even Jesus says this, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. This is Jesus saying, I feel like I'm, a, I don't know if I can handle this. I feel like I'm about to die. Anybody before you get to the cross, have you ever felt like, I, I don't know if I can do this. Anybody, come on. That even Jesus, this is where he was. And then he says, um, 
stay here and keep watch or pray with me. Going a little farther, he fell to his face with his face to the ground. This is, this is a, an amazing picture that you've read. He fell to the ground with his face down and cried out, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Jesus, you knew the plan. You're the second person of the Trinity. You know why you came. Why would you even ask, could we go around the cross? Is there a shortcut? Is there a better way? Because he was human like us. Even when he is living out the will of the Father like you and I do, he had moments of unbearable emotional pain. And he cries out, is there any other way that we can do this? And then he says, yet not my will, yours be done. It's not up here, but Jesus, the next thing he says is the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Boy, I could park right there. I know all of us relate to that. And then he goes away a second time after he scolds the disciples because they fall asleep while he's praying in anguish. And he goes back and he prays again. Verse 42 in that same passage says, he went away a second time and prayed, my father, again, is it, if, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. Now listen, before we get into what it looks like taking up the cross and we look at the seven things that Jesus said, have you come to this point in your life? Remember last week I told you, God speaks your language. Whether it's Spanish, English, the language you understand best is not your native language. The language you understand best is your circumstances. Have your circumstances, has God said in your circumstances, it's time. I'm pursuing you. Have you come to that point in your life, that big moment when your circumstances have brought you to a broken place and you are overwhelmed? Have you been to that place? You finally say, okay, God, I'm yours. We talk about that a lot around here. And there are people that every week are here that you're almost there. You're almost at that place where you go, I stop, I quit trying. I'm not gonna fight you anymore, Lord. In, in addiction recovery, we talk about that. And you can see people, they want to get better. They're making progress, but you can see it in counseling and walking with them and discipling them. They haven't hit the rock bottom yet. But their circumstances will eventually get them there. And that's the point. I know that everybody I know in my family, and I know me and my wife, remember hitting rock bottom and being able to say, okay, I'm overwhelmed. I can't take this anymore. Here's what I want, but here's what my spirit wants. God, not my will, but yours be done. And listen to me. If you are at that place or near it, I beg you to cry out and say, God, I don't want any more what I want. I want what you want. Because here's the truth. What you want is a fraction of good for your life. In fact, what you want will probably ruin your life. And if you'll surrender to him, what he's a good father. How much more will your father in heaven give you what you ask, what you need? If you will surrender to his will is so much grander, better, bigger, happier, more joy-filled than your will. Are y'all out there this morning? And so Jesus knew the plan. He cries out and says, all right, I surrender to your plan. Now, we're getting ready to jump in, but I want you to notice what happens on the cross. And I want you to mark this and remember it. Colossians chapter 2, verse 15 in the message says this. Then Jesus made a public spectacle. Everybody say public spectacle. Of all the powers and principalities of darkness. Listen to this. Stripping away from them every weapon and all their spiritual authority and power to accuse us. And by the power of the cross, Jesus led them, who? The principalities and demons, 
By the power of the cross, Jesus led them around as prisoners in a procession of triumph. He was not their prisoner. They were his. Now, that's what he did and has been appropriated to us. And when we go, okay, I'm going to take up my cross daily. God wants to make a spectacle out of our lives that the enemy will take note and see, and others will as well. What does the word spectacle mean? It means a visually striking performance or display. Something that you go, you got to see this. Something that you, it just screams for your attention. It's a spectacle. And so we have spectators that pay to see striking performances or displays. And we have things that are happened that, that happen that are spectacular. They're beautiful in, a, in an eye-catching way, in a dramatic way. And so last week, remember, we talked about from Galatians chapter 2, I am crucified with Christ, I no longer live, but Christ now lives in me. That is a spectacle. Christ living in me and Christ living in you is, is a striking, dramatic thing that, that we want to see. Christ living in me. And then we, we learn things like, I'm a new man or you're a new woman in Christ. The old is gone, the new has come. And so behold, him living in me is something to see. Not for me, but for him. Now, as we come to the cross, I just want you to remember, not my will, yours be done. And what Jesus did on the cross after he cried that out, the Bible says he made a spectacle of all of hell. He embarrassed them. It was something to see. And now as you take up your cross, everybody hear me. Jesus says seven things, and we see in these things that he says what it's going to be like for you to take up your cross. What's the first thing he said? First thing he said was, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. So the first thing that we've got to do in carrying our cross is we have to forgive everyone who's trying to ruin our life. I mean, even though there's a lot of people trying to ruin our life right now. We have to forgive them. Jesus, uh, verse 34 of Luke 23 says, while they were nailing Jesus to the cross, he prayed over and over, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Brothers and sisters, you have to forgive. You have to. That's what it is to take up the cross. Everyone who's trying to ruin your life, who can do that, PC? Only Jesus. That's why he's living, the plan is for him to live his life through you. You know how many people who hurt you don't realize what they're doing? Do you know what your father did to you was done to him and he couldn't help it? Hurt people hurt people. Jesus says to these Roman soldiers who they weren't raised in Hebrew school. They didn't know what the Messiah was going to look like. Their hearts are stone cold. They've killed so many people. It does, it's like it's their job. This is just another one. And for some reason, the Jews put king of the Jews above him and a crown of, of mockery around his head. And, and they don't know what they're doing. And Jesus says, Father, forgive them. For they don't know what they're doing. The Bible says he, he prayed that over and over. We're in a situation right now. We're dealing with a lot of people who are, who are doing things that it's, it's, they don't know what they're doing. Hear me. And I'm not going to get political and all this stuff. Do you know how many people, they don't know better. They, they should, but they don't. They've been brainwashed. They've been, their minds have been engineered. I believe even the gender issues that we're dealing with in our country. And there's all kinds of science about why are we seeing so many young boys feel like 
I'm in the wrong body. And there's science to it. And it's, it's crazy what we're doing. And, and it's the principalities of darkness in this fallen world. And we're seeing how depraved we are. But I want to tell you something. Now, listen to me closely and don't think I'm saying something I'm not saying. We Christians cannot say with people who have sexual issues, and there's a lot of them, and I'm talking about all of them, we can't say, what's wrong with you? We can't hate. We can't, you know what we need to do is pray for them. Many of them, and I know, here's the temptation, they're mentally disturbed, and there's a number, and, and they, there's all kinds of lies that they're buying. But we cannot say, y'all know what I'm saying. I'm, I've got to speak in code a little bit right here. Y'all know what I'm saying, everybody? Um, this is a big deal right now. Not just this one, but all of these issues are a big deal because too many Christians right now, and it's a slippery slope. It what the day we're living in to be effective salt and light is requiring wisdom and discernment like never before. And I see too many Christians being Moses and killing the Egyptian soldier. Because God's not doing his plan of deliverance on my schedule. And we spend 40 more years. In the, we're Abraham, like my brother-in-law preached a few weeks ago, going, Sarah's not producing on my timeline. And so, and you know what he did. And we see this all through scripture. And we're building, we're digging ourselves a hole that we are going to struggle to be able to get out and be effective. Man, I, just, I, feel, I feel a lot of tension and I feel a lot of God wanting to say to us, somebody was praying for, the, for Saul of Tarsus. I don't know who it was. We, we have got to understand when, when, when Jesus, we're gonna see at the end of the sermon, when he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. God heard that prayer. How many of you know God hears our prayers? Even our crazy, ludicrous, wild-eyed, you can't believe, you would pray that. How many of you know faith has no limit? Our God has no limit. So when we pray, we pray for those who are trying to ruin our lives. Oh, man. Just God help everybody just by osmosis. Hook them up to a spiritual IV and let's just get everything you want to say to us. The people who violently disagree with you politically. You can't hate them. They weren't right. They've been dealt a different hand of cards than you. And if we hate, the Bible says the love of God is not in us. And so I just want to encourage everybody. Pastor Chuck, come on, get back to the cross. I'm on the cross. This is what it feels like every day to get up and pick up your cross and follow Jesus. Are y'all out there? Y'all are out there, but you're worried about your pastor. <laughs> What's he trying to say? Trying to say, God has an amazing plan for your life, but you won't be able to enjoy it until you take up your cross. And this is what it looks like. Second thing is that we learn, we need to help others who are experiencing the same struggle that we're experiencing. Jesus the criminals on either side of Jesus are experiencing exactly the same agony that he is. And rather being self-absorbed and focusing on his own excruciating pain, Jesus extends concern to those around him. And you may remember the one criminal says, hey, I thought you were the king of the Jews. Why don't you do something, get us off this cross? And the other one said, why don't you shut up? And he said, you shut up. Hey, and how about you? Would you put in a good word for me? And Jesus says, yes, today you will be with me in paradise. 
And we are left with a confounding piece of theological doctrine. In the last minute, a criminal can be dying a criminal's death and request in one simple prayer, could I, be, could I go where you're going? And Jesus says, sure. In fact, today we'll both be in paradise. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that criminal going, everybody had given up on me. I was dying. And this same day I'm standing in paradise with you. Can you imagine? And we're left with this message. You can never go too far or be too bad that God can't redeem you in a split second in the last minute. Are y'all out there? Come on. Taking up your cross, what's that mean? I, I'm skipping over a bunch of stuff for the sake of time. That means you have some children. In the last second, they, you have some friends, some co-workers. And Jesus says, sure, today. Look at me. Oh, Jesus is saying, I'm concerned about those around me who have less resources than I have. Spiritually, I'm connected. I know what's happening. And I'm concerned about those who have less connection to God than I have. Are you sensitive to what's happening around you? Because people are crying out. Number three, be sure to take care of close to you. Jesus is surrounded by turmoil, humiliation, pain. He's concerned with who? His mother. There's reason to believe that his father is no longer living. You would think Joseph would be there at this moment. We don't know that for sure, but I think that's probably what happened. And Jesus is on the cross, and he's concerned about his mother's plight. What will she do without me? And he makes arrangements for John to take responsibility for her. You and I, we have a tendency, listen to me, when, when push comes to shove, and we're in times like we're in right now, we presume upon our family members, those closest to us. And I want to say to you, Dad, don't transmit your trauma. Don't bring your junk home. Don't take it out on your kids. This is what it is to take up your cross and follow Jesus. It's to put your family first. John 19, here it says, So when Jesus looked down and saw the disciple he loved standing with her, his mother, he said, Mother, look. And there was three other women that were in the, the ministry posse, if you will, who were connected and close to Jesus, and some of them had been delivered by his ministry. And, and Jesus says to his mother from the cross, this is unbearably, this is hard to even imagine, but it happened. And Jesus says, Mother, look, John will be a son to you. And then he said, John, look, she will be a mother to you. From that day on, John accepted Mary into his home as one of his own family. Here we are in this current situation. I don't know what I would do right now without my family. My mother prepared us to live through challenging times. She taught us how to live when she's gone. And now I must take up my cross and make sure that we receive that baton and we are preparing those close to us, our family, how to live one day when we're gone. And we have a Heavenly Father who's taught us how to live in a pandemic, in a culture war, in chaos. I'm thankful for my family and I pray that, that we can be a family. I'm thankful for this church family I was 2,000 miles away from home when my mother took a, a turn and in 12 hours she was gone. And I was with three brothers in this church. And I will never forget that. And your love for me, my prayer is that everybody in this room can get the same quality of love that I got. And I know I'm the pastor and I'm on staff and everybody knows me and not everybody else knows everybody else. But my prayer is that there will be bonds where we lift each other up and we comfort and carry one another's burdens. My sister, I'm watching now, my sister taking care of my father with Parkinson's who just turned 85 years old the day after my mother passed. 
and my sister from Virginia coming in. I'm telling you, in these moments, if we put our family first, our family will put us first. And there is a beautiful connection. My mother, when I went raced over a couple weeks ago to take her to the ER, we're going down 141 over in South Forsyth, and my mother says to me, Chuck, I took care of Charlie as long as I could. My father with Parkinson's, who it takes two of us to get him out of a chair. We have to do everything for him virtually. And my mother said, I did it as long as I could. She's about to go on ventilator, and there's three or four calls we all get with her. And what is she doing? Telling all three of the kids, hey, Charlie, don't forget this. They're in the hospital together. And that kind of, oh, that kind of till death do us part through a pandemic, through pneumonia, through Parkinson's, we take up our cross and we follow Jesus. Are y'all out there? My, oh God, give us that kind of Teflon love. Caring for and ministering to our families can be one of the hardest things we'll ever do. It's much easier to serve and care for somebody else outside of our family, isn't it? You know, if I, it's a lot easier for me to stand up here every Sunday and disciple your teenage son. He thinks I'm cool. He hadn't seen me in my good moments and my bad moments. Thankful one of you in this church took my teenage son yesterday morning to breakfast to pour into him and to disciple him. It's not easy to disciple. And I know there's a lot of hurt and concern as mothers and fathers for our children. But I want to, care, I want to tell you, picking up your cross is being concerned and caring for those closest to you. Number four, aim your hard questions at God, not man. Matthew 27, verse 46 says, Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus cried out to his father, why have you turned your back on me? The moment I need you the most, I'm carrying out your will. And you've forsaken me. Hear me. There are moments, there will be moments when you say, I'm going to take up my cross, not my will, but yours be done. There will be moments as he uses you in ministry that you will feel like he has forsaken you. It will squeeze the life out of you. And here's the deal. When it, when it feels like that, Jesus will keep living his life through you, through the power of the Spirit. And when you get upset, don't go to Facebook and ask everybody, why has God forsaken me and us? Take it to him. When you take your cross, there will be moments where you will feel like you cannot do it and he's turned his back on and his will is lost. You're not it, but you're in his will. And there's resurrection power and flowing through you. And when you go to him, he will respond to you. But don't go to Facebook. How many of you know, sometimes you can't even go to Pastor Chuck or any, sometimes you've got to go to him. I know this is deep and like heavy, but there is life coming in this place. We're going to carry our cross, aren't we? Both of us, we're going to do it. Number five, be human enough to acknowledge your need. When you're in this place, what did Jesus do? He said, I thirst. Oh, this is so beautiful. Many of you, you may have never seen this. Earlier, Jesus turns down the offer for a cocktail, a drink that would dull the pain, medicate the pain, 
that could have satisfied his thirst, but it would have reduced his mental acuity at a point when he needed a clear mind. Here he asked for a drink because he wants to be able to clear his throat for the confession of faith that he's about to say next. And he says, I need a drink. When you begin taking up your cross, becoming a disciple of Jesus daily, serving others, there will be moments when you will find yourself thirsty and you too would love to have a sip or two of something strong to medicate your pain. Jesus refused it. He was on the cross with a clear mind so that he could say this, number six, it, he wanted that drink to, to be able to say this clearly, it is finished. Number six, be assured that there is purpose and an end to what you are suffering. I'm gonna say it again. Be assured when you carry your cross that there is purpose and an end to what you are suffering. Jesus said, it's finished. It's over. What? The glorious plan of salvation. Jesus is on the cross saying, it's now complete. Wait, what? Yes. After years and years of waiting for the Messiah, he has come and he purchased our salvation. And so now there is no more need for lambs and bulls and goats to be sacrificed. The lamb has come and he just said, it is finished. You've got to see this moment. It's a prophetic statement of triumph from the Lamb of God who hasn't seen victory yet, but he lays hold of it by faith. And he says, it is finished. Let me tell you something. When he said, it is finished, it looked like he was finished. Oh. And the people standing there had very little idea as to what this statement meant. It was confusing and painful. And brothers and sisters, you and I are getting a lot of confusing and painful messages and feelings. But it, it's a cross experience. It's, if you will, pardon the cheesy, it's cross training. That's what it is. You ever had one of those days? Well, it appears to me that we're in a season where the whole world is confused and bewildered. And you know what? It is finished. It's already finished. It's settled. The people standing there watching Jesus, they're two days away from, they're, they're living the worst day that's ever hit planet Earth. And they're two days away from the greatest day that planet Earth has ever known. I'm getting ready to run out this church and out in that parking lot. I'm serious. I'll take the microphone with me. I'll preach from out there. There is a purpose and an end to what is taking place right now. Woo! We stand here today like those onlookers did on that day, except we have knowledge of the cross. They didn't. We have knowledge of the resurrection. We can stand in faith today knowing that God is in control. It doesn't look like it's finished. It looks like we're finished. But no, he is in control. It's already finished. Everything that's going on right now in your life, in my life, in DC, around the world, in China, God is sovereign and he is ruling and reigning and he is in control, always has been and always will be. I wish somebody would let somebody know that you believe our God is sovereign. He is in control. We praise you, Lord. Mm. I, I could park right there, but I don't have time. Whatever you're going through, it's finished. Number seven, taking up your cross looks like this. Man, there's so much I want to say about what I just said. It, it is finished. Go ahead and prophesy. Taking up your cross says sometimes, I'm going to take it up one more. I'm going to take it up. I don't feel like it. I don't want to. But I know what you're calling me to do and me taking up my cross, it's finished. The purpose, you're using this. 
And it's going to be worth it. And you prophesy and you just say, it is finished. Not I am finished. It, the purpose of God, the plan of God, the sovereign will of God it, in my life, it is finished because I'm going to keep taking this cross up. Number seven, surrender your day to God and let it go. Jesus said, into your hands, I commit my spirit. The end of a bad day can be the beginning of a long night of stressing and Facebooking and trying to find some prophet out there that will tell you what you want to hear. Or some news channel to say something that you're looking for. I'm begging you all. I'm going to get really, really real with you. Am I concerned about what's happening in our country? Yes. Do I like these executive orders that are coming down? No. And I'm not some irresponsible, hyped-up preacher trying to go, hey, God is good. Ignore all that. I'm, that's not me. But here's what I'm telling you. We surrender it to you, God. My post... Now, let me, let, me, let me dig down a little bit further. I thank God for the gift of prophecy. I think some prophets are being exposed, good and bad. I think we have never seen anything like this. A prophet gives a word, comes back and apologizes for missing it, and people who received their original word are going, wait, what if your word comes to pass? Are you going to apologize for apologizing? You will have no credibility whatsoever. Are you all out there with me? We've never seen this. Micah didn't say, I know I'm about to die. And I said the Messiah was coming to Bethlehem. I'm sorry, forgive me. It was six, seven hundred years later. That prophecy was fulfilled. Whew. There is a lot. The emperor has no clothes. There's a lot of people getting exposed. Here's where I am. You go, Pastor Chuck, well, do you believe this is going to happen, that's going to happen, and what about QAnon, and what about race relations, and what about the economy, and what about, 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 it's been that way my whole life, and yours too. Into your hands, I commit my spirit. My whole life is in your hands, Lord. Do whatever you want. I'm going to bed right now. I'll see you in the morning. Seriously. We, we just sang songs. God, we're just going to worship you. We raise a hallelujah. We know what's going on around us. That's why we're raising a hallelujah. Because you are going to change what's going on around us. Because we're worshiping. Now, this is the hardest thing for a bunch of type A people, educated suburban folks, who always land on their feet. Surrender. Take up your cross and learn the truth that he who seeks to save his life will lose it. And he who loses it for Jesus' sake will find it. Now, we're coming to a close and it's not even 12.15 yet. Don't you feel like we got a bonus in this sermon today? <clears throat> um, I, I, I want to take you there. All of this stuff really happened. We've read it and heard it so many times. It feels like a nursery rhyme to us. And so Jesus says, it is finished. Into your hands I commit my spirit. There's an earthquake that happens. The temple curtain is torn in two. That's two, three feet thick. God does supernatural things because Jesus said, not my will, yours be done. He did it and modeled for us what it's like to take up your cross. And then what happened? While he was making a spectacle of the enemy, demons, principalities, while he was schooling them, he gave up the ghost. Now hear me. They didn't kill Jesus. He could have taken it, taken it, taken it, taken it. Because he was the second person in the Trinity. He laid down his life on his own volition. He chose after he had fulfilled the plan.
You get a choice. You don't have to take up a cross. You don't have to go with God's plan, but if you do, not only will you make a spectacle out of the enemy, God will make a spectacle out of you. What do I mean? I mean this. One of the Roman soldiers who crucified Jesus, who Jesus prayed for, he doesn't realize what he's doing. When it was all over, that Roman soldier said this, a Gentile doesn't realize who he's killing. He's been in so many desert storm operations. He's numb to life and death. And something happens to where he says, surely that is the son of God. We are in a moment where if we will trust God and not kill the Egyptian, not get intimate with Hagar, where we will trust the Lord, carry our cross, the people around us, hear me somebody, I know you think I'm waxing eloquent and you preachers always come in for a nice soft landing. No, this one ain't soft. I want it to be hard. Listen, our world is hungry, confused, worried, fearful. Don't let them fool you. Every, God's got everybody's attention right now. And may the church, the people I'm reading and listening to, right now, may the church, Mario Morello said, may we not miss this grand once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. May the church act in such a way as we carry our cross, praying for transgenders, homosexuals, Muslims, praying to a God who can do anything in the last minute for anybody, even us and others who don't deserve it. If we'll be the people of God, our world might just say, surely, surely they are the people of God. Mm. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. There are some of you here today, there, there, there's a lot of different things. Tracy, can you bring up those last seven things right there? And just forgive everyone who's trying to ruin your life. Just bring them all seven up. You can just bring them all up. I just want you to ponder. The Lord is speaking to a lot of people here. Some of you, even in the intro, you're going like, I'm, I'm ready. I've hit rock bottom. And today, I want to surrender. And you may, it may be a salvation surrender. You don't know the Lord. It may be a, I've, I've carried my business my way, myself, all by myself, long enough. I need a miracle. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to surrender it to the Lord. I can't. You're not Jehovah Jireh. You're a provider. You're just a husband and a daddy. Don't try to be God. Surrender it to him. I'm speaking to somebody's in here this morning. You may be a mother going, I've, I've prayed and cried, and my son and my daughter and my grandchildren. Surrender it to the Lord. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, Oh, please, would you open your heart? He's knocking on the door of your heart. And you, I can see on your faces all over this room, God is calling you. I see hunger on you. You know in your heart of hearts, you're hearing God speak to you this morning. And he's saying, I love you. You can do this because I'll do it through you. There's some of you here this morning, in five years from now, you're going to look back and go, I cannot believe the goodness of the Lord. I feel guilty. He's been so good to me. How many of you know our God is just like that? <laughs> Isn't he? Amen. I'm going to ask you before everyone else's stand, I'm going to give a couple different altar calls. We haven't done this in a while. And I, the Lord is drawing people. And you're here today, and you're, you're not sure you're walking with the Lord. Or you're sure you're not walking with the Lord. 
and you're at a point of surrender and you want to, God's calling you to take up the cross. Trust what Jesus did in the cross. And if you're here and you want to stand and say, I make Jesus my Lord and my Savior this morning. In the name, if you know the Lord, everybody be praying with us right now. In the name of Jesus, young, old, might be your first time here. It's that important. Don't be ashamed. Stand and let God change your life and open up his windows of heaven and just begin to bless you. You'll get to know the goodness of his heart. He'll transform your life. Look, you, you'll go from death to life. You will, you'll feel like a brand new person because you will be a brand new person. How many of you know salvation? Anybody get saved to the bone like I did? Anybody get saved through and through from the inside out? How many of you would stand and say, I wish I'd never done that? Anybody want your money back on your commitment to Jesus? I'm looking. There's no evidence that that was a bad decision. If you want to surrender to the Lord this morning, I'm going to count to three. And if you feel the Holy Spirit calling you, brother, sister, I want you to stand in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, we pray, Father, for a spiritual release in this place, for salvation, deliverance, yes. the ministry of your spirit, Lord. This is a game-changing epoch that we're in in our world. This is, this, this is the Super Bowl Sunday, this right here. Tomorrow, later tonight, be, this is what it's all about, people coming to know you, not just know about you, but to know you personally dying so that you can live in them and then they'll realize wow that's how you really live if you're here and you feel the holy spirit calling you and count of three i want you to just stand right where you are we're not going to embarrass you or do anything crazy or weird but god's going to touch your life you ready one two three stand in jesus name stand in jesus name if you're not walking with the lord and you want to stand in jesus name Jesus' name. We wait on you, Lord. Would you just say the name Jesus with me? Just say Jesus. We speak Jesus over every life in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we praise you, Lord. Secondly, I want to ask if you're here this morning and one of these seven things God is speaking to you, I need to commit more to my family. That's the cross. I've got to step up. I've got to pray for people I disagree with. I don't love them or even like them, but I've got to take up that cross. I want you in the name of Jesus, and I count to three. If God is speaking to you about one of these areas or more, I want you to stand. And listen to me. Don't just stand to stand, to give mental agreement. I want you to stand, and you're saying, I'm making a commitment. I am taking up my cross daily. And I'm going to do better in that area because he's going to live his life through me because, listen, I am surrendering to him. If you're here this morning and Holy Spirit speaking to you, I want you to stand. One, two, three. Stand in Jesus' name. And as you stand, just lift up your hands and surrender. Come on, just lift up your hands and surrender. For each of these men and women all through this sanctuary this morning, Lord, I pray Holy Spirit power be released. We make a commitment to go deeper with you, Lord, to stand in faith, Lord, to, to live in sacrifice and surrender because we know, Lord, that's what you call us to do and that's how we were created to live, serving others, surrendering to you. May our flesh be weak and our spirit strong instead of our spirit strong and our flesh weak. We crucify our flesh. And we pray, Lord, that you would anoint us and use us. For there are purposes that we will be fulfilled, that will be fulfilled. And there is an end to what we're going through. And we will say, and others will say, surely they are the people of God. In Jesus' name. Over financial issues. Come on, brother, sister. In Jesus' name, lay it down. Worrying about it, trying to handle it yourself. You can't control your whole industry. But you can control this moment by surrendering to him. Your marriage. You're having a hard time loving that husband who is, you know what? In Jesus' name, transform these marriages. We give them to you. We take up our cross. 
We pray for our husband, for our wives. We pray for our children now in the name of Jesus. We will be concerned not about our ministry, but about our ministry to our family in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Would you say with me, just repeat with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I come to you. I surrender. I need you. I want you. Fill me with your spirit. Transform me. May I disappear and you be seen. May you receive glory from my life. I take up my cross today and every day by your strength. In Jesus' name. How many of you meant that? Come on. How many of you meant that? Come on, now celebrate the freedom. I want to invite the rest of you, if everybody will stand with us. Come on, celebrate. Hold on. Spiritual freedom. We're driving a stake in the ground. Spiritual freedom. Listen. We're casting off worry, fear. We're casting off distractions. We're casting off what the other side says. We're casting off the brainwashing of the media and race tension. They cannot make me, they can tell and say all kinds of lies, but they cannot make me not like someone who's not my skin color. That's my choice. And I choose no matter what they, and you know who they, all the they's. You realize how many lies we're being fed all the time, all day long? But I'm a discerning, spirit-filled child of God. And I say to every black brother, you are my brother. I say to every Asian brother and sister, you are my brother and sister. And nothing, no one can divide us except ourselves. And we say no to it. Come on, if you're going to praise him. In the name of Jesus, for your glory, Lord. Come on, transformative praise. Lift up praise to him. Receive spiritual liberty. Be cleansed in your mind. In the name of Jesus, let this mind be in us, which was also in Christ Jesus, our Lord, who became obedient, even death, death on a cross. Your word says, Father, that you gave him a name because he did that, that's above every name. And at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. They will confess with their tongues that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We praise you, Lord, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You're free. You're free. How many of you know the, the cross has the final word? The cross is the final word. That's the news for today. Come on, y'all out there? Come on, Dean, let's celebrate. Cross has the final word. The cross has the final speak blessing over every family, our children and our children's children. Use us for your glory this week. Transform this world. We pray, Lord, for amazing, wonder-filled miracles. May terrorists have dreams, the love of Jesus invading their life. 
We pray for people in the Middle East. We pray in every state in our nation, on both sides of the aisle. Send the, send the flood of your spirit in this nation and redeem lost mankind. Do something that the news can't deny. Do something that glorifies your name and speaks of your unlimited power. In the name of Jesus, as the enemy has come in like a flood, now raise up a standard against him and may the church be salt and light. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, amen. 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 Lord bless you, keep you. Make his face shine upon you, be gracious. May lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Say, I receive it. I receive it. God bless you all. Have a great afternoon, a wonderful week.